Hello everyone, it's Adam from Fox 24 with our final group insight for the forthcoming tournament. Uh, it's the big one today. I mean, all right, Austria and North Macedonia, we don't cause offence, but we have been looking forward to talking about the Netherlands. And I'm here today with Michael's statement from Era Divisi Mike. Michael, how are you over there? Yeah, yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, it's, it's good to have him make these connections. And um, before the Euros, it's been good to get to know more about Ukrainian football, Austrian football, North Macedonian football. So it's always good. Oh, it really is. And always got my great co-host, Andrew, Mr. Zoria London. Andrew, how are you doing, mate? Very well. First game of the tournament. We've done our preview shows kind of backwards, but here we are uh, and looking forward to this one. Certainly are. Ray sadly can't be with us tonight, but Ray, you're, you're with us in spirit. Best wishes to the King of North Kiev. But of course, Michael, you're the star of the show. I Correct me if I'm wrong, can you, t just before we get started, just for our listeners and people who are new to uh, Dutch football perhaps, just tell us a little bit about uh, your uh, website, your U I know you've got your YouTube handle, you've got your Twitter feed, how long have you been reporting on Dutch football? Yeah, so um, it, I've, I've, been, I've been mainly connected with football down here for six, seven years now, six years. Mm -hmm. um, football Danny is the main like English speaking outlet of, of Dutch football and it's not my website I'm not the number two if you like uh, Mike Bell he owns the website I've been working with him for six years since um, and yeah we really enjoyed talking the Dutch national team but also the Dutch area of as well uh, and, and then since then I've, I've done stuff with Pinnacle Sports and, and so on so on yeah I mean it's love doing it love um podcasting and interviewing footballers and that also in the Dutch football world. It's it's good fun. It certainly is. Now of course a bit like me, we can see some dulcet brummy brummy tones coming out there. Well, so <laughs> I know I know you're not in Holland, but what is the buzz over there at the moment ahead ahead of of the tournament? Yeah, I mean I don't live in the Netherlands as you said, but the the, the feeling on, on on just general social media, I know I know some Dutch people is there, there's a growing sense of excitement, anticipation, because it's been so long. They didn't go to tournaments in 2016 or 2018. The last, the last year as I went to, year 2012 was pretty poor. They've only got the two World Cups to look back on, really, from the from the, the last sort of 11 years. Um, and I think it's time that they really performed at a tournament again. And yeah, the Netherlands, they're, they're looking forward to, to, to showing, I guess, what what some of their best players are all about. They've got they've got they've got some really world class players in that squad. But it's just not at the height of a of a not a Germany. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say them. Um, not at the height of an Italy or Portugal. Let's say. Ah, that's great. Well, I mean, we're looking forward to it over here. I'm just going to pull in Andrew, though. Cheers, Adam. But yeah, so I mean, as we've just spoken about, the mood's slowly lifting. How did the Netherlands actually get to the tournament? Because obviously we've had the year delay. How's it sort of? How did they reach Euro 2020? Uh, it was in a qualifying group, which did include Germany. Um, they came second to them. There were a few other teams that of decent quality. I mean, Northern Ireland were the ones who were causing a few problems, although the Netherlands got past them in the end. This is all in amongst um, Ronald Koeman trying to change the team, trying to make it better. He ended up uh, sort of refreshing the side, refreshing the squad and bringing, bringing in some, some new blood and making them into top quality players for the Dutch side, really. So it's, it was a bit of a transition 
period, that sort of qualification um, for this tournament. Ah, that's fair enough. So listening to that then, Michael, this this year delay, I mean, one of the things we've been discussing over the last you know, month or so here is how the 12-month the COVID delay of the tournament and how it's affected the Ukrainian national team. Sort of listening to you there, has it, has it been to the benefit then of the youngsters coming through in Holland and help, help the team sort of hone itself? Or what has been the effect of the 12 months for you? Um, you know, if you'd said this 18 months ago, this was going to happen, it would be cancelled. I think Dutch fans would, would, be, would, be, would be saying, no, we, we really need to go ahead because... It was coming at the right moment. A lot of the players are coming to their primes. The downside, though, was that Memphis Depay, key striker, uh, was injured. And he, he was fighting to be fit for the tournament. I think he would have just made it had, had it had gone ahead. Uh, this time around, though, they're, they're without Ronald Koeman for a start. Uh, the boss who was, was going to lead them to, to, to glory, I suppose, was, was the outlook on it. They've got... Frank De Boer instead as manager, I'm sure we'll talk about him a bit more later. Um, but uh, on all sorts of downside, Virgil van Dijk, captain, big defender, probably best defender in the world at the moment, is injured. And <laughs> it's massive. It, 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 it's not a massive gap, to be fair, in defence, because they've got some quality defenders to take his place. But it's the influential role that he has, and I don't think that can be replaced. Um, but yeah, Memphis is back and he's he's back fit. So the, that 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 one's over. But there's another problem instead. I think yeah, the the feeling is that overall it would have been better had he gone ahead last year. Ah, fair fair enough, fair enough. It was I, I say I was curious about that. But you saw us. We both smiled when you mentioned that the dear Mister De Boer. But I'm going to let Andrew just dive full in on that one. So I've been following, you know, De Boer's first few months in charge well what almost a year isn't it um nearly yeah eight nine months yeah so i've been following that on social media i also took part in this sort of english language press meeting he had last month and yeah he was pretty you know coy and everyone does know him as the unofficial worst Premier League manager of all time for his crystal palace stint <laughs> of, of, of four games no wins no goals or whatever it is but what's the general feeling towards him coming in for Ronald Koeman who was obviously meant to be the saviour and how has that how is his sort of image progressed over the past eight nine months have you said yeah I mean it couldn't have been worse I suppose it was what you expected it would be yeah I mean I've, I've not really known many worse appointments in, in my life like watching <laughs> football but that that one was pretty bad and, and Dutch football fans felt the same thing, not just me. It, it was one that they thought, why is he getting the chance to do this after all of these brilliant managers that came before him, uh, okay, apart from Danny Blint, um, but what, why did he deserve a chance to do that after his really poor club career? It's, it's a promotion that he didn't deserve and it just was bizarre. The only thing that can hold him up with that is his playing career. Maybe it helped him with that because he's played for the Netherlands a lot. A lot of experience with that. He had a few years at the charge of Ajax at the beginning of his managerial career, which might have given him some reputation. Anyway, that aside, so he comes in and they, they ha- he has the worst start as a Netherlands manager ever. Um, the longest streak without a win um, since coming a manager. So there's no honeymoon period whatsoever. 
he he he's he's trying to keep what Ronald Koeman started. It, none of no, he hasn't built anything new. He's just tried to keep going what was already there. Uh, to, to his credit, De Boer has actually selected a decent looking Euro squad. He was under some criticism for some of the choices he was making. Players he was leaving out, players that he was including when he shouldn't have been. Ryan Babbel is one of those. Should never have been in the squad for years. Now it's just like a journeyman walking. Uh, and then, and then he's had his recent, recent things in the last few months where he's just he's mucked up in the media time and again, and it's not making him look good. But overall, I think the Netherlands will go into this tournament without trying to think too much about De Boer. But it feels like at the moment that if they come up against a powerhouse, that he, they won't have any tactical ideas how to beat them. The players will give their all, but when it comes up against a really tough team, I think that's where they're going to fall down. Just to build on that, um, so how did the Nations League and World Cup qualifiers, how have they gone since he's turned up? So, just to put it into context, they got to the Nations League final under Ronald Koeman in 2019. Mm-hmm. And since then, they've they had some games in the Koeman in the Nations League after that, and then De Boer. Uh, they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't win their group this time. Uh, they, they had a couple of wins. There would be Poland, for example. So, you know, that... It wasn't all doom and gloom. The World Cup qualifiers, though, there was one pretty dramatic result, and that was when they lost to Turkey 4-2. I had some humble pie, because I thought it would have been a, a fairly straightforward win for the Netherlands, going away to Turkey, and, and a hard-fought win, but one they get. Though they were awful. Yeah, they lost 4-2, and they were... <laughs> I have to say that I ate some humble pie, because Turkey did play better than I thought. I think there might be an outside bet for the Euros. But the Netherlands shouldn't have lost as, as badly as they did. And I think that there wasn't enough tactical sort of change in that match when the, when a going was tough. The ball didn't do anything. Just sort of sits there. Just to pick up on something else you mentioned there, a couple of uh, media faux pas, yeah. shall, we, shall we say. Uh, for us, I mean, out here in Ukraine, the, the score predictions and... Uh, Andrew, help me with the, the pronunciation of the player here because I'm going to absolutely obliterate it. Yeah, um, I saw just recently that he was talking about uh, Wijnaldum's not allowed to complete his Barca move. He might uh, because he wants full focus on the Euros for all his players. And I'm guessing that both of those things haven't gone down too well. And I mean, he, do you know any more about this score prediction stuff? Where I think he said that he was that Ukraine, he was they were going to beat Ukraine three one. I was trying to watch it, but it was all in Dutch on this YouTube channel in the back of a taxi. Um, I, w- I wasn't too um, inundated whether it was actually legit, but it seems like it was. Any more to yeah. add to that? Yeah, it was it was legit. Tuzani is a great YouTuber in the Netherlands. Um, he's like the one of the biggest football YouTubers there. And, and, and yeah, he was just sat in the back of, of his taxi and he's sort of like, you know, as you do those kind of videos you do nowadays. And you just, just ask, ask him what you think about the group matches. And he just reeled off some predictions. And like, you do it, you can do it like hard to do, I suppose, if you're a player and you have a joke about it. But if you're the manager, you've got you've to have that professionalism about you. Didn't have it there. There's more to it. I mean, to let players know he didn't make the squad, rather than being professional and calling them, he, he just sent, for example, Anwar Ghazi. Um, the Aston Villa winger, he sent him a text to let him know that he wasn't going to be in the squad. But he, he, we know this because it was in a live, well, not a live, it was, it was a YouTube interview with the player. And he had the text and he said, oh, sorry, my phone's just going. And he checked it and it was the text to say that he'd just been ejected from the squad. And he was showing the guys like, no, really, look, I've just, just got it, look. 
it kept his cool. I got to say, Algarzi, because I, I thought he might have been a bit more frustrated by that. Um, he, he kept it, kept himself together pretty well. Perhaps suggested it's something they usually do um, with the squad players. Uh, and there was more as well. He had a really poor press conference as well recently, where he just was given the, the most dodgiest answers, and, and it just didn't seem right. Like he seemed ill. There's <laughs> some really strange conversations he was having. I mean, especially the score predictions, they, they've gone absolutely viral out here in Ukraine. I think everyone's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be, you know, like they say, the score, it's just going to be up in the changing rooms pre-game. Yeah. We don't have to worry about that one, do we? Um, but, I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned there, I'm wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, you did say he's made one or two changes more recently to the squad. Can you just go into a bit more detail about those? What what little tweaks has, has he made building on sort of the work that Gooman did? Yeah, well to start with with Kuman's hub, I think I think it's worth mentioning because he, he did put in place a lot of things to, to change what, what the Dutch national team was getting so wrong. Mm-hmm. He's got just just briefly with the players more than the tactics, he's got Frank De Jong in the middle of the park. Just fantastic deep lying playmaker now. Um, one of the world-class players that I was speaking about, he will be important in that team. Got Memphis Depay up, up front, who's just revitalised now, playing for the national team because of what Koeman did with him. Playing him as a main striker, also playing out on the left wing somewhat now, but just a, a, he will be an important player when they're playing Ukraine. Uh, in defence, you've got Matthias De Ligt, who is, is still um, a, a fantastic defender playing for Juventus. And he will play next to Stefan de Vlaai, who is one of the best defenders in Italy as well. It's a place Van Dyke, so there's there's quality there throughout the spine of the team. Mm-hmm. It's the wingers where it's not quite so sure, so settled, and that I guess that brings my knife to what the changes were in, in his squad. So he was picking players who were out of form, just their reputation. But in the end, just before the Euros, he actually picked a couple of wild cards, I suppose, a couple of younger players, and he, and he kicked out a couple of players who who weren't who were just there on reputation. One of those being Ryan Babel, so he was there and wouldn't really play. For the Netherlands for the past sort of two or three years, he was he was actually just picked and 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 De Boer said it himself that he was there for the dressing room just for that. But if that's the case, take him as a coach. Why 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 are you taking him as a player? Just that that fills up another place in the squad. Two weeks prior to the announcement, he said, "Yeah, Babel's going to be in the squad um, because he's important for the dressing room." And all of a sudden, he's dropped out. The only explanation I come up with is that Babel himself has phoned De Boer up and said, "I don't want to be in the squad just to be there." Like someone else better take my place, but Babel wasn't that kind of character. But it wouldn't surprise me if that is what has happened. The, another one as well um, to give you an idea is is Bout Verhorst scored 20 goals in the Bundesliga this season. Wasn't in the Netherlands squad at all under under De Boer. It was really controversial, considering as well that Luke de Jong, who scored only four goals in the Liga this season, is a starting striker for Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Bizarre, because they're two very tall strikers. So you'd think let's put Verhorst in. Only did it for the actual Euro squad. Didn't give him any kind of trial in November or in March. Just throws him in now in the Euro squad. Really bizarre decisions such as that happening in the squad. But I think Babel and Beckhorst were two two particular highlights. Sounds <laughs> quite similar to us, to be honest. Well, a diff- uh, in, in a different way. Because, oh, yeah. um, Ukraine have had slight winger problems because uh, probably the most well-known Ukrainians over the past decade or so, Konopyanka, Yarmolenko, Yamalenko's been injured obviously all season, but he's just got this something about him when he plays for Ukraine that I still see see him being a key playing a key part. The fact that he's come that he's fit and hopefully he'll feature. But Yevhen Konoplyanka, 
He's been injured since March. He hasn't really done any impact for his club, Shakhtar. Like, he's not been playing for them consistently over the past two years since signing for them. And he was also going to be one of those guys who was going to be joining for the, you know, morale in the change room. People called him the, like, the jester, like the joker. who does the stand-up in there. Like, that's the, that's the common line for him. Despite the fact of how influential he has been in the past, but he's properly dropped off. And if anything... It's sort of a, a lucky thing that some people say that he's got injured and as a result, he won't be taking the place of someone who's probably more deserving of that. And I mean, coming up to, well, we've been talking about players now um, and the players that won't be featuring or sort of won't be too influential. But who do you think will star for the Netherlands this summer? Like, um, let's go for like the big player in the team and then one breakout star that you think someone could make a name for themselves. Well, the key player is an easy question, I think, because you have got Frankie de Jong, you have got Memphis Depay. And I think in terms of if it gets to the later rounds and they're playing a big team and if everyone's going to win, it's going to come down to a player like Frankie de Jong because of the quality he has. But I think in the group stage, you can really see Memphis stepping up and scoring a few goals because I think that they'll get through the group. There, there, there was actually someone who was trying to persuade me that Ukraine were one of the outside bets tournament. And I'm not saying I don't believe that, but I think when it comes to Ukraine against the Netherlands, I think the Netherlands should have enough. But I do worry about the Netherlands later on in the tournament, like I say. I think the first opportunity they play someone like a Titan, they're going to be knocked out straight away. Like a click of finger, click of finger, that's it, gone. Um, anyway, I shouldn't, I shouldn't keep blowing the trumpet at the Netherlands because it's happening against Turkey and then Turkey smashed them. So... <laughs> But I do hear lots of positivity about Ukraine, to be fair. Um, as for a breakout star, like, ah, oh, do you know, it's really tricky. That there's a couple of wingers who could, who could make a surprise. That if, it, if it was going to be anyone, it would be Ryan Kravenberg, who is the Ajax uh, 18-year-old midfielder. He's played all season in Ajax's midfield. He was making some good appearances in the Eredivisie in the Champions League. It's not the finished article yet. It's really clear to see. But he, he has got the potential to, to become a breakout star in this tournament if he gets a chance to play. It's not likely because there's not really a, a place for him in that midfield. But if he if he has to play because of an injury or if he's an impact sub, who knows? Michael, I'm going to apologise here because I'm going to sort of go off on a slight tangent here, but I'd really love your opinions <laughs> on this because uh, obviously the under the, the youth tournaments at the quarterfinals have just taken place and the Dutch are having a fantastic tournament um, in in the Euro under-21s at the moment. Do you feel like, with the Dutch national team, it's kind of on the sort of the cusp of a new golden generation coming through? There seems to be a lot of... You've mentioned some of the young prospects coming in. Do you feel optimistic there? Yeah, definitely. I actually spoke to the under-21s manager, Owen van der Looy, yesterday. Yeah, and he was just saying, like, he thinks the future's really bright. So I was saying to him, like, do, you not, do you not think that those sort of dark times that they had with the missing out the tournaments are over. And he, he really agrees. Just like, yeah, I think I think the squad's going to be really strong in the years to come because there's these players such as, I mean, Wijnaldum in five years' time will probably be too old for the team, but you've got Frank de Jong, Van Dijk, um, Memphis, who will be around 30 in, in three, four, five years' time. And they'll be playing at their prime still. But there's so many players that are coming up now that are 18, 19, 21 years old. And, they will really lift that squad even more because we were talking five years ago about Delic, for example, Dion coming through and, and potentially being a national team player, but we didn't think they'd be that good because they're, they're now world-class players. 
there's a few more that can definitely come through and be like that. So yeah, I agree. Like this is a gold generation coming up and they need to make the most of it. I mean, you you said they're like Kuman kind of created a, you know, a new sort of Dutch identity of the team. Now, what sort of style of football can we expect to see from the national team in the tournament? Is it that classy Dutch style that we've all, you know, sort of fallen in love with over the years? Or is it, you know, a slightly more modern modern style of football that people talk about, you know, these days? We say we're recording this not long after the Champions League final where the tactics were has been at the forefront of a lot of discussion. It's a four-three-three, which is typical Dutch, but it's not all guns blazing, flashy football. There will be passing the ball around an awful lot, and there, yeah, as I can say, the formation is going to be the same. But to burst select to the squad so that he can have a bit of tactical flexibility, we've not yet seen him do, but he he might put put five five at the back, for example, one of those. Mm-hmm new sort of fads that everyone's doing for the past sort of five years with a five at the back five three two. Yeah, on the whole it's gonna be it's gonna be classic, I think. But there's just not the I guess, you know, that Van Basten, there's not that crowd from the team, there's not that player who's really gonna set it alight just quite just quite as much as those guys that used to do last. Memphis is a brilliant player. he's more of a work harder though rather than a yeah ultimate great. It's one of the things we all love about these international tournaments, isn't it? We get to just oh, yeah. enjoy, enjoy like the you know just the whole continent of football and talent and show. Uh, but yeah, Andrew. Yeah, so I guess well to wrap up everything we've just talked talked about. Final question: What are the hopes for the Netherlands? You've been obviously a bit sceptical that when they eventually face off with a Titan it will be game over when how that could have come maybe as early as the round of 16. We, in that prediction that uh, Frank De Boer uh, gave on that YouTube channel, he said, maybe it might be better if we finish second. You know, it's, it's, one, it's one of those ones. What are your thoughts on sort of the hopes of where they can go, of how far they can go? And I guess maybe the general feel um, in the Netherlands as to like, you know, the media fans, what, what, what's, the, what's the hopes and what would be a success? Yeah, I think the quarterfinals would be like sort of minimum expectations. And you, you, if they're going to that quarterfinal, good match, but okay, good tournament, get rid of the bur, start again. But if they can get to the semi-finals, I think you know it's one of those things where anything can happen. Where it's the ninety minutes, you just never know. And anticipation's growing because you're looking at teams like Spain where there's unrest. They haven't Sergio Ramos, and that's interesting. There's no players from Real Madrid. You're looking at Germany and you're thinking there's a lot of unrest there with the manager. So that's two of the big teams out, possibly. Or teams that these Netherlands can beat. You've got France who are overloaded with talent, so there's, there's a big one you need to avoid. England are England, so you, you, yeah, let's not, let's, let's just say less, less so England the better, but you, you know, major tournament. <laughs> Koeman, in the Koeman, I think we would have been talking a lot more highly, though, and I think we would have been very optimistic of being one of the, the sort of four favourites, and now it's not the case at all. But before I get ahead of myself, I think, yeah, quarterfinals is, is certainly realistic because you can get for the group, you can beat a team in the last 16, and then you're in the last eight. Um, I mean, I'm interested, though, what, what, what's, the, what's the same for Ukraine because you must be looking at the Netherlands thinking, oh, there's a decent chance here. They've got to first coach, and same for you guys, I suppose. Beat the team in the last 16, you're also in the quarterfinal, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, Shevchenko's throughout his 
recent press conferences has when he's whenever he's been asked sort of what's the expectation like what what are the goals it's to get out of the group because Ukraine have been only at two previous you've never done it have you yeah exactly and Euro 2016 zero points zero goals so <laughs> anything better than that would be a positive <laughs> but I mean you know speaking to all three now this is like the final episode speaking to all three of the experts from our you know group rivals I mean I'm quite positive. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be an interesting group. I've got to say that, you know, every, 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 every team's going into it with its problems. Every team's go, going into it with some opportunities as well for success. And I think it's going to be about which, whichever squad just clicks at the right time. And like you say, once you get, you get out the group, win your last 16 match and then it, it really it really could be anyone's don't we saw four years ago Wales getting to the semi-finals and yeah. you know who who would have who would have expected that before the tournament who really wouldn't and all credit any you know 12 Welsh supporters listening you're a fantastic team back in 2016 there well yeah so yeah we're excited <laughs> it's, it's gonna it's gonna be a lot of fun uh, for those of you listening at home, yeah, that the, all of us on the podcast are going to be very busy during the tournament. <laughs> We've got, got lots of things planned there for all our all our listeners. Uh, Michael, you know, have you guys guys got some stuff on during the tournament, or going to be relaxing and enjoying it? No, I think we'll be busy and ever. To be honest, uh, I'm sure it's the same for you guys. I've got we've got people asking questions all over the place, and it, it's really, really good. Very exciting. And um, just what we're doing at football annual as well. That that still won't change. We're still doing. We'll do. We'll do something with the Ukraine match. I'm sure. Um, we do things like straight after the match, post match reaction. I think I'm on like a, a watch along with 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 a certain website. Um, yeah, we do previews, post-match, and that kind of thing throughout the tournament. Really excited about it. Lots of podcasts. Um, and I should just say as well, from a point of view from the Netherlands looking at Ukraine, I think they certainly are the, the team to contend with at the top of the group. Um, if it comes to winning the group, it might be important. It might not have a Germany or Portugal or France. <laughs> That's unlikely. Um, but if it, you know, it could happen. But you want to be playing one of those third-place teams, and I think that you want to, you want to try and win the group. Um, Either Netherlands or Ukraine should be doing that. Having looked at Austria in particular, but also North Macedonia, I think it's, it's between us two, isn't it? At the top of the group. No. After, after, after us all nodding along to this, watch North Macedonia is going to come through and take first spot. Yeah, like, probably. Leave us, leave too us soon, all eating humble pie. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. What a wonderful way to finish tonight. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for joining us you know we, we we really do appreciate you've given us some excellent insight there into the into the dutch national team we wish you shall we say about two-thirds of the best of luck for the, the groups well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no in all seriousness we hope you enjoyed the tournament you know as much as we, we you know we just before you go just want to give take the opportunity to give people a shout out to you to the website and that for anybody wanting to, to log on where where are the best places again to to, yeah. to get yeah so it's um football anya football in english and then if you imagine spelling orange but replace the j with the g with the g with the j there you go. <laughs> doing my best here and, 
and then you can you can go to the website we've got lots of articles there we do match ports opinion pieces but also we have a youtube channel where there's things like podcasts and player interviews yeah just all, all things like that really we're, we're covered especially for the euros so come and come and join us come and see what we're about oh, fantastic i'm sure we'll probably drop in at times as well and uh andrew of course mate great as always have you along with me yeah really really enjoyed it and a great way to end our sort of mini preview series for the three rivals and everyone else look forward to a big ukraine preview episode that will be coming up um shortly as well and yeah everyone can find me zorio londonsk on uh, twitter and instagram yeah, and for those of you at home, keep an eye out at Zoria Londonsk and Ugrafort24 and Double on Casual for Ray. We've got some really exciting news coming up very soon and keep an eye out on the social medias for those. But till next time, of course, you can, you can follow me across all the pages, but till then, take care, stay safe and goodbye for now.